Three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 405. Welcome in. A uh, bit nervous today. Let me just tell you that right off the bat. I don't know why. It doesn't really make any sense. I've done 404 episodes of this show leading up to today. You would think by now I would have figured out my nerves. It's been about a week. That throws me off a little bit. Um, I have a personal story to tell. I've been dealing with some stuff. I'm going to talk about that at the end of the show. I know that whenever a YouTuber I listen to or a podcast host that I listen to abruptly took some time off, I always like, they, they're like, they start everything with like, here's where I've been. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> so I always skip that stuff and I, I, I'll leave it at the end. If you want to hear what's been going on in my life, you can. Otherwise, we will talk about football and sports and that whole stuff. Um, I want to talk about the NFL. We have had eight weeks of NFL football. Uh, we're two months into the year and we're past the trade deadline. It's been a long time. Like we're well into the football season and from this point on, we kind of know who is who in the NFL. The good teams are clear. The bad teams are clear. There's a couple teams in the middle where you're like, well, they could elevate themselves and their standing if things go well. Uh, but right now, my eight Super Bowl contenders are the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, the L.A. Chargers, Brandon Staley, Justin Herbert in L.A. You have the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott's doing fantastic there. The Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray, Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, and then, of course, the L.A. Rams with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. Bills, Ravens, Chargers, Cowboys, Packers, Buccaneers, Cardinals, and Rams. One of those eight football teams win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. And that's clear. That's, in my mind, they have solidified their standing in the NFL there are a couple teams that might elevate as the year goes on. We will see what happens. Like the Bengals are five and three. They look like a playoff team. We'll see how you know things play out for them. Uh, the Patriots are four and four. And as their rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, gets better, so do the Patriots football team. Uh, you know, I, I think the Patriots Patriots look more and more like a playoff team every week I watch them. Kansas City, in my opinion, they're also four and four. They're out. Uh, you know, I think they're going to struggle to win seven or eight games. Uh, the Raiders are five and two things look great now. Uh, but I look at what the Raiders, they lost their head coach. Uh, I encourage you to go read about Henry Ruggs. It's a tragic, sad story, Hor or like horrific stuff that happened there. And I think that's going to help, you know, help is the wrong word, contribute to, uh, the Raiders season getting derailed alongside of, there's just a lot of stuff going on off the field for the Raiders. I don't know if they're going to be able to overcome that. Uh, I don't think they can keep their momentum going. So at this point, the good teams in the NFL have been solidified. Their position, you know, a random loss for the Buccaneers, for example, lost to the New Orleans Saints this past weekend. Okay, like that happens. Every NFL team is going to lose a game at some point. Uh, like Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are not suddenly a bad football team because they lost a game to New Orleans. At this point in the year... Injuries are the number one factor that can make a team go from a contender to a play, you know, maybe just a regular playoff team or maybe a team that's not going to make the playoffs at all. Do not send me messages about a random loss here and there. Uh, can you believe the Bengals lost to the Jets? Like, yeah, the Bengals are a good football team. I, don't, I can't explain that. Uh, they got stopped a couple times by the Jets, but, you know, the Bengals year isn't over. 
because they lost to the Jets. The Buccaneers' year isn't over because they lost to New Orleans. Every NFL team, again, loses a game or two. However, there were two really big losses during NFL Week 8, and it's funny because their team won. It's not a team loss, but a player got injured that's going to really, really derail the year of their football team. You know, losing a key player can end your season. Season over right there. The 5-2 and two New Orleans Saints lost their quarterback, Jameis Winston. He tore his ACL. He's out for the year. That will derail your season. And, man, I feel horrible for Jameis Winston. It's really sad. Uh, two years ago, Jameis had, he threw 30, 3-0, 30 interceptions in one season. He led the NFL by a mile. And uh, this year, two years later, I thought Jameis was playing really good, really clean football. Uh, he only had three interceptions in seven games this year. I thought Jameis showed a lot of progression as a quarterback. He had 14 touchdown passes, three interceptions. It is very, very sad that what was kind of a redemption year for Jameis has come to an end early and you know been cut short. I thought he was playing fairly good football, fairly clean football. Remember, their top receiver, Michael Thomas, has not played all year, too. So I think it's possible that Jameis was capable of even more if he'd been playing on a team at full strength. And it, again, it's... I, it's likely that the Saints will not do much the rest of the year. I think their year is essentially over. I know Jameis is not the best quarterback in the NFL, but I, I just don't know that they're a football team that can handle losing their starting quarterback and, and you know, surviving that. Now, what's interesting is Jameis was on a one-year contract, and so I really want to see what they're going to do next year at the quarterback position. It's kind of weird. Maybe Jameis Winston getting hurt means they'll be able to bring him back at kind of a discount and at a lower price next year. So in, frankly, a, a tragic and uncomfortable way, Jameis getting injured might actually help the team for next year because the Saints are a team that is, they got a lot of financial stress going on with their salary cap, and it's going to be hard for them to pay everybody they need to pay. And to have a quarterback that plays well at a discount price might be exactly what the New Orleans Saints need for next year. So, um that's the only like silver lining I can find. I just feel horrible for Jameis Winston, who was having a really good year. I thought playing better than he was getting credit for. And to have that end early, that's really, really sad. Now, uh, Titans running back Derrick Henry got hurt. Uh, he needs surgery on his right foot. And I've heard a lot of conflicting information. I've heard he could be out all year. I've heard he's going to be out six to ten weeks. Uh, the reality is there's no timetable. So Derrick Henry, the main focal point of the Tennessee Titans organization, is out. And he's going to miss a, a significant amount of time, if not the entire rest of the year. So even though Tennessee is 6-2 and two, and right now looks like a playoff team, the year feels over. Like, I, I hate to say that. I'm not going to—I'll I'll explain to you why there's a chance it's not. But I, I was just talking about this the other day. Like, Henry—Derrick Henry has run the ball 219 times this year. The second most guy with the second most carries, excuse me, is Joe Mixon, who has 137. Almost 100 fewer carries on the year. Derrick Henry's 27 years old and getting his body— destroyed every single week. And I think you could actually argue that 
based on the way his organization leans on him every single week, you could actually argue that Derrick Henry might even be underpaid, which I know sounds crazy, but you look at what he does and the way his team uses him, and you're like, he is everything to that football team. And running backs have, you know, shorter careers. It's rare to see a running back who gets beat up the way his body has been and then also play for like 10 to 15 years in the NFL. Derrick Henry's put a ton of mileage on his body. And uh, I just, I feel sad. I feel horrible for Derrick Henry because, man, I, I just, like, the way his team uses him and the way he's compensated feels a little bit unequal. Now, he's, he, I, hopefully he's set for life. He gets paid millions and millions of dollars. But, like, it's, it's kind of weird. I, I look, I'm like, Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback, makes way more money than Derrick Henry, the running back, even though they lean way more on Derrick Henry. Now, Tennessee did sign Adrian Peterson to step in and play running back for them to, you know, finish the year. And uh, look, last week I said, you know, the question was, can Tennessee win a game or win multiple games? Can they win, period? Whatever that looks like, can Tennessee win without Derrick Henry at running back? And I guess we're going to find out. I thought it might, you know, be a game or two. I thought maybe... Like he would, I was, what I really thought was going to happen is at some point Tennessee is going to load, you know, a a defense against Tennessee is going to load the box, take away the running game. I did not anticipate, oh, you might lose Derrick Henry for the entire year. And I think the season is probably over. I don't know that they can, their, their passing game, in my opinion, cannot elevate them to succeed the way they've done in previous weeks throughout the rest of the year. Maybe, maybe, maybe Adrian Peterson's fantastic filling in and, is much better than anybody expected. Although I will say there's a reason why he wasn't on a team already. Like he, you know, every NFL team had an opportunity to sign Adrian Peterson in August and they chose not to. So there's something there. Uh, I, I wonder how does the Titans passing game do in play action without Derrick Henry? Maybe they can't even use it because is the threat to run. It's not going to be equal to what it was before with Derrick Henry. And the question is, again, can Tennessee throw to win? I don't think so. Although I will say it's a bit, people are really eager to declare the Titans season over. Like, let's give them some respect. They've got a great safety. They've got two good receivers. They've played really good football in certain parts of their their season. And I just, they're not nothing without Derrick Henry. I just don't know that they're the same without Derrick Henry pretty clearly. Like, that's an obvious statement. So, I want to give it a couple games. We'll see how things go. It's possible Tennessee will be okay because maybe Adrian Peterson's great. Maybe the passing game steps up. I thought they've been making progress all year long, but uh, I'm I'm not going to declare the season over, but they're on the watch list and we'll see, you know, they're kind of on probation and in three or four weeks, we'll see where is Tennessee now. And if they fall the, I mean, what if they're six and six, four weeks from now, they're six and two right now. If they lose four games in a row, then you're like, well, Clearly, they're not a Super Bowl contender. They're kind of, they were already a team I wasn't sold as a Super Bowl contender before the Derrick Henry injury. Now I'm like, well, pretty clearly they're they're not. So we'll see what happens. I don't want to, again, I don't want to be in a hurry to write them off, but I'm I'm very very skeptical. Like this is great for the Colts. Unfortunately, the Colts lost. If the Colts the Colts are three and five, Tennessee six and two. The question is, can Tennessee keep that gap wide enough? to win the division. I have no idea, but that's going to be a really interesting race throughout the rest of the year. Now, 
Uh, there was the, the NFL trade deadline was really, really boring. There wasn't a lot that happened. Odell Beckham Jr., you know, OBJ didn't get traded. Deshaun Watson didn't get traded. But there was one big move made at the NFL trade deadline. Like, I saw that the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, traded a, a, a lineman. Like, I don't, sorry, it didn't really excite me that much. But we did see the Rams traded for pass rusher Avon Miller from the Denver Broncos. And so now on the front seven for LA, you have Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald. And uh, Vaughn Miller's 32 years old. The Rams gave Denver uh, two draft picks in return for, you know, to get Vaughn Miller, a 2022 second round pick and a 2022 third round pick. I love this move for the LA Rams. I think this move, getting Vaughn Miller puts them a little bit closer to a Super Bowl. That's exactly why you make a move like this. The Rams are going for it, man. I've heard the, I think the Rams even put it on their own Twitter. I've seen the phrase everywhere. The Rams are, quote, all in. And uh, the Rams are all in. They're not afraid to trade their future. If they can put it together and win a Super Bowl this year, that makes a lot of sense to me. The Rams right now have four draft picks in the upcoming 2022 NFL draft. They've got a third round pick, a fifth round pick, and two seventh round picks. Like the Rams do not have any draft capital. They spend it all building the current team they have in LA. And that's fine. I love it. I love what they're doing. Uh, you do what you have to, to try and win a Super Bowl. They have an opportunity. They did not have an opportunity. I thought last year. So the Rams have, you know, they traded for Matthew Stafford, made a bunch of moves. Now they traded for Von Miller. I love what the LA Rams are doing. It makes a lot of sense to me. And Von Miller helps you win now two draft picks in 2022 a second round pick and a third round pick sorry but in february the super bowl happens and those players aren't even going to be on your team yet so uh i think it made a lot of sense it's a great trade for la way to go i didn't even know von miller was available now maybe i'm not paying close enough attention maybe maybe the talk in denver was are we going to trade von miller maybe not i i didn't realize von miller was even on the trading block so it seems like from my outside perspective, like the Rams said, we're going to make Von Miller available by giving you a good trade uh, that you can't refuse and uh, good on the Rams. And again, I think the Rams are closer to a Super Bowl. That's a fantastic trade for L.A. Now, Denver, uh, Denver. I, I thought Von Miller was going to be a key part of the team they were building to, you know, Von Miller won a Super Bowl years ago with Peyton Manning. And I, I thought Denver built a great roster that just needed a good quarterback. And if they got a good quarterback, they were going to put together a deep playoff run. I honestly, truly believed that about Denver. And then they didn't get a quarterback. They got Teddy Bridgewater. And you're like, well, all right, like, I guess Teddy's the answer. And he wasn't. And they passed on Justin Fields. And instead of becoming a key player that helped them make a deep playoff run, Von Miller became a trade piece for the Denver Broncos, and that's really sad because I thought Denver clearly had way more potential than they've shown all year. And I, I watched Justin Fields, by the way, run it, you know, had a crazy touchdown for the Bears on Sunday. Like, you know, it was fourth down, balls on the ground, he makes a man miss, reverses field, runs for a touchdown, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad Denver drafted a corner. Like, you know, because quarterback and cornerback defense and the guy that touches the ball every single play they're equal they 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 they, they, they add the exact same amount of value to your football team oh oh they don't 
Oh, they don't. That's right. No, quarterbacks are way more valuable than a, a corner. I don't, I don't know what Denver was thinking. I don't know why Denver didn't draft Justin Fields. You'll never be able to explain to me why that was a good move. I, I at the time, didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. I, there was a time a couple of weeks ago where I tried to understand it, and I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't get it. I, I don't know what Denver's doing. I don't know why they didn't feel the urgency to get a quarterback. And uh, just, <laughs> Denver could have Justin Fields. I, how did I – I feel like anytime I talk about Denver now – I'm going to have to talk about the fact that they passed on Justin Fields. I don't mean to do that, but uh, I, look, here's where we'll go with this. Now, Von Miller was in Denver for 10 years, and uh, he was drafted in 2011 out of Texas A&M. And I, I kind of wonder if Von Miller is going to keep his house in Denver. He's been there so long. His family's there. He, you know, He's very, very established in Denver. And I just encourage you, remember, NFL players are people, too. Like, you know, to move your family. Like, it's it's got to be tough for Von Miller. Like, it's hard to feel that bad for the guy uh, going to sunny Los Angeles to a good football team. But I would imagine this is still a very difficult emotional thing to go from the franchise you spent your entire career on. You built a life. You built a family there. To, to leave Denver and go to L.A. It's got to be, even though it's, like, exciting professionally, probably also really hard personally for Von Miller. Okay, uh, let me drink some water real quick. Um, does that make sense, though, that losing – like, we're going to see Buffalo's going to lose a game here and there. Uh, ran, you know, I'm trying to think of the Packers are going to lose a random game to, like, Chicago, and you're going to go, what? How did that happen? Because that's what happens in the NFL. Teams are better than we realize. And so unless Aaron Rodgers gets injured – don't send me messages about how, what a horrible lot. Like, unless the Packers lose, like, five games in a row or Aaron Rodgers gets injured, they're a Super Bowl contender. And so if they lose a random game, don't send me messages like, can you believe what happened? I, I got messages. Tampa lost to New Orleans. Oh, no. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's the NFL, man. Like, good teams, even good teams, lose games sometimes. And so um, injuries are really the key factor, too what's going to make or break a season right now. Not necessarily a random win or loss here and there throughout the rest of the year. Okay, uh, let's talk about NFL Week 8. There are eight things I find noteworthy that I want to talk about. Number one is this, the Jets and their quarterback, Mike White. Mike White, what? I think there's literally a video of me out there saying, I, I haven't watched it, although I got a lot of comments on it, so it came to my attention. I made a video once called, don't draft Mike White. I should revisit that video maybe next episode and talk about like what ha what did I say and what happened. I don't I don't remember what I said. It, it was 2018 years ago. He was like a late round pick. Um, I think it was a fifth round pick. I think I remember that. The Jets beat the Bengals 34 to 31 on Sunday. It was a surprising win. It was also an impressive win in my opinion. Uh, and the craziest thing here was that Jets backup quarterback Mike White. By the way, in his first ever NFL start, Mike White was 37 for 45 passing. He threw for 405 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. And by the way, the two interceptions he threw were like tipped passes. They weren't even him making a bad decision. They were just kind of looked like bad luck. And the biggest reason why Mike White did so well against Cincinnati in this game is that Mike White took what the defense gave him. He was not forcing anything vertically. He's like, hey, hey like, you know, the whole, 
my coach said it to me early on in my career. You can't go broke taking a profit. Take it and take it. You know, take the easy completion until they don't give it to you anymore. And the entire game, basically, Mike White said, I take easy completion after easy completion. Literally, his longest completion on the day was 18 yards. It's not like Mike White was pushing the ball vertically. He was just making smart decisions. And sometimes the, quote, boring play is actually the best play at the quarterback position. And, uh, man, I... This was such a fun win for the Jets. I really like what New York is doing. I find myself rooting for the Jets. I I think you could argue that right now it would be better to be a Jets fan than a Giants fan. Like the Jets, I think, have their coach, their GM, maybe their quarterback. The Giants have a bunch of uncertainties that the Jets do not have right now. And I really want to see the Jets turn around their franchise. I really believe they're doing the right things. I love Robert Sala. I think he's fantastic. Um, you know... The Jets play again on Thursday Night Football this week. Like, what well, tonight is Tuesday night, so you'll you'll hear this uh, Wednesday morning. So uh, tomorrow, Thursday, the Jets play again. They play the Colts on Thursday Night Football. I'm very very interested if Mike White can keep it up. We'll find out. It'll be very exciting to me to see that. Uh, what happens if Mike White plays great again and the Jets win again? Then what happened? I mean, the Jets just spent a number two overall pick on a quarterback, Zach Wilson. I would imagine that's a secure position because the world is unfair. And, you know, if you pay a guy a ton of money or you spend a you know high draft pick on him, you pick him. Like I thought that you could argue that Ryan Fitzpatrick should have been the quarterback long term in Miami, but they've spent a number five overall pick on Tua. They were going to stick with Tua, whether that made sense or not. Like, I don't know that there's anything Mike White can do to actually take Zach Wilson's job. But it is a bit uncomfortable to go, huh? Like, what I saw from Mike White on Sunday is what I've kind of been hoping Zach Wilson would do all year. And we haven't seen that from Zach Wilson. We just saw that from Mike White? What? Okay. Also, I want to give credit to, I know the Jets gave up 31 points. So their defense, like, it's very rare that a defense gives up 31 points and you go, hey, great performance. But I actually thought that um, the defense does d- d- deserve credit for uh, the way they played against Cincinnati. I stutter my way. Cincinnati got stopped multiple times on the goal line by the Jets. I mean, the Jets defense had a bunch of key stops. I thought they tipped a pass with four minutes left. That secured... Uh, you know, they picked off Joe Burrow there. The Jets defense had, despite giving up 31 points in this game, it's not like the Bengals didn't have opportunities here to win the game. I mean, the Bengals had the ball on the goal line twice. Once they got stopped on fourth and goal, once they had to settle for a field goal, the Jets or the Bengals had the ball last and the Bengals had an opportunity to go win the game and they could not. So I I really think that the unsung hero, Mike White's going to get all the praise from this football game deservedly so like it was impressive it was surprising but also don't forget the Jets defense I thought played very very well against Cincinnati during NFL week eight okay number two on Sunday night football the Minnesota Vikings lost to the Dallas Cowboys 20 to 16 oh my uh Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott did not play uh, he was out hurt, so they had Cooper Rush, their backup quarterback, start instead. And uh, the Vikings, like, man, this is a game you got to win. You're playing 
the Cowboys backup quarterback. It's a golden opportunity to win a game on national TV. And instead what we saw was remember the jet, the, 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 the jets, the Minnesota Vikings are three and three going into this game. They started one and three. They're trying to save their season. They're playing a backup quarterback. I don't know how Minnesota could lose that football game. And they did. And they didn't just lose Cooper Rush through for 325 yards Kirk Cousins, the Vikings' expensive quarterback, had 184 yards passing. I I thought Kirk kind of got shown up by a backup quarterback on national TV. That's embarrassing. That's bad. It was terrible. Uh, It it was—I get it. The Cowboys' pass rush gave Kirk Cousins all kind of problems all game. Like, I really thought the Cowboys played great on defense, but (laughs) I— The Vikings are still three and four at the end of the day, losing to a backup quarterback. And it's looking more and more like both the coach, Mike Zimmer, and the quarterback, Kirk Cousins, are you know, kind of done in Minnesota. I don't know if they can get rid of Kirk based on the money they owe him, but I, I <laughs> if I'm a Vikings fan, I, I know Kirk has not been awful this year, but he continues to lose in key important moments. And, uh, I just know that when the Vikings brought in Kirk Cousins to, they gave him a massive contract, fully guaranteed. They've been waiting and waiting in Minnesota for that to pay off, and it hasn't. I mean, they're just not. They were hoping Kirk was going to put them over the top and make them a Super Bowl contender. They're nowhere close right now, and so uh, I would say the Kirk Cousins experiment failed in Minnesota. No game number three, the Eagles beat the Lions 44 to six. This is not about Philly, but Philly did have 236 yards rushing. Here's what I want to talk about. The Lions are 0-8. It's been awful this year. And I think if you're a Lions fan, your only focus right now is on drafting the Liberty quarterback, Malik Willis. You need somebody who can make big plays at the quarterback position. Like, you need a lot more than that, too, but certainly Jared Goff is not the answer long-term in Detroit. And I want to remind you, remember all the people that were, ta- you know, there were a lot of people in the camp of saying that Matthew Stafford was the problem in Detroit. And those people who blamed Matthew Stafford for the years and years of losing in Detroit. Well, the Rams are 7-1 and with Matthew Stafford. The Lions are 0-8. I don't know how, like, I I just feel I kind of at the end of this game, I'm watching Jared Goff get thrown to the ground, getting sacked again. And I just, you know, the former Rams quarterback, Jared Goff, getting traded to Detroit. That trade happened. His life got turned upside down. Literally and figuratively, he was upside down getting sacked (laughs) against the Eagles. I just, man, Jared Goff, uh, I, I just feel bad for the guy. He really got the short end of the stick. And he's not played great, but can you imagine going from a good football team in Los Angeles? I don't love L.A. I, I like warm weather, though, now a lot more than I used to. And I, I would rather live, I don't know, would I rather live in L.A. or Detroit? I can't believe that's a decision I feel like I have to make. I, I feel like I'm the only person that would pick. I like I like the anonymity and the, the fact that Detroit is cheaper. But I got, I got to say, man, like for most people, if you're a, a superstar, most people would pick L.A., Plus, you're winning games. So to go from L.A. and winning to Detroit and losing, what a horrible, horrible lifestyle change that is for Jared Goff. I just feel bad for the guy. Okay, let me drink some water real quick. 
Number four, the Tennessee Titans beat the Indianapolis Colts in overtime, 34 to 31. This game was bad for everybody. No, nobody really won. Like the Titans did win the game, but the Titans lost their star running back, Derrick Henry. He got hurt. He's out for the year. That's potentially going to derail the entire year for Tennessee. And the Colts, like, actually lost. They lost the game, the final box score. So now the Colts, who were trying to, you know, save and revive their season. The Colts are now 3-5. and five. Uh, They needed to win this game. They did not. It's a crushing blow for the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, it was actually, you know, weirdly enough, despite the outcome being bad for everybody, it was actually a pretty fun game. I mean, I thought that, like, just back and forth and, Scoring at the end of the game, going to overtime. Carson Wentz, the Colts quarterback, had three touchdowns, but he also had two costly interceptions that were painful, hard to watch. Uh, one in the fourth quarter, then one in overtime. Uh, I felt bad for him on the first interception. End of the fourth quarter, it was tie game, like a minute 30 left, 24-24, and he was getting sacked in his own end zone. And that's always a tough position. What do you do? Like, do you take a safety? Uh, it's, you don't want to do that. And he's trying to throw the ball away to avoid his safety. And instead, he threw a pick six. And I'm not kidding when I say he's getting sacked. Like, he was literally getting taken to the ground. He's falling. He's falling backwards. He throws the ball, like, left-handed, gets picked off, goes for a touchdown. It's brutal. Just really, like, he, he threw the ball as he got crunched by, like, four dudes. It's a brutal thing to watch. And do you take a safety or throw a pick there? I mean, there's no good way to end that sequence of events and... I, I thought that it, it's unfortunate, you know, throwing two interceptions at the end of the game and losing is such a bad way for Carson to kind of end that game. Cause I just thought optically it looked bad, but what's not going to get mentioned is how good Carson's been playing all year until that moment. Like even there was even a moment where like he, he made a crazy play to get them. Remember throws a pick six. They're now down 31 to 24. Like the game went to overtime. So Carson led a touchdown drive that sent the game to overtime. Now he threw another interception in overtime, which is even worse. I thought than that one, because that was just a terrible decision rather than a guy trying to make a play. But, Oh, Carson, man, it's been playing so well. If you ask me and last year, Carson Wentz only played in 12 games and he led the NFL still with 15 interceptions this year. Carson has 14 touchdowns and only three interceptions. He's gotten way better at the quarterback position, way cleaner. He's not playing hero ball very much. I thought he did it at the end of the Titans game. That's unfortunate. It's just sad that the progress Carson is making as a quarterback is not leading to them winning more football games in Indy. I'd like to see that happen. It's not happening. But uh, Carson, I thought, despite the, the bad optics, he's been playing very, very well. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers just beat the Browns 15-10. to 10. And I'm not going to talk about Pittsburgh. I just want to talk about Cleveland because I I had such high expectations for Cleveland. And uh, now they're 4-4. Four and four. It's not going well. The Browns are last in the AFC North. And, and clearly, it's very frustrating because there's very clearly so much talent in Cleveland. And seeing them lose game after game, it's painful to watch. Like, this is a better football team than 4-4. Four and four, And... You've had injuries. Baker Mayfield, their quarterback, isn't playing very well. I'll say this. First of all, I'm curious to see how the rest of the year goes. Like, can the Browns make the playoffs? I don't know. I look around the other four and four football teams. I think the Patriots are probably 
the best four and four football team in the AFC right now. But I, I wonder what might change uh, as the year goes on. I mean, and, and then I wonder, like, after the year ends, what are the Browns going to do at the quarterback position? Do they stick with Baker? Do they move on? Do they keep Odell Beckham Jr.? Like, what, what moves are the Browns going to make in response to the year they're having? Now, a lot of that depends on the final nine games of the year. But just, man, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I I had such high expectations. I'm sure you guys did too. You had a great roster during the preseason. And for one reason or another, you guys have just massively underachieved. And it's taken years off my life watching. It's just like, oh, man, I really thought the Browns were different this year. And then here we are, 4-4. Four and four. Now, after losing to Buffalo, after losing to Buffalo, the Miami Dolphins are now one and seven. They've lost seven games in a row in Miami. And it's kind of easy to forget. Remember when the Dolphins were a team that won 10 games last year? I mean, last year, Miami was a playoff team. What? What? I forgot about that. <laughs> Don't blame you. It's easy to forget. And remember, Miami also traded away their first round pick. So every time Miami loses a football game, they don't even have the comfort of going, ah, oh, well, we're terrible, but at least we got a top five pick. Oh, oh wait, no, you don't. Uh, they traded away their their own draft pick to Philadelphia. So if the season ended today, Philly would have a top five pick because Miami's been bad. And now uh, Miami does have a 2022 first round pick in the upcoming NFL draft, but they have the 49ers first round pick, which will likely be like a mid round, a mid first round pick. So Miami doesn't have the draft positioning to get a really top-notch impact player that they might have been able to have if they kept their own draft pick. Miami's in bad shape right now. I mean, everything has gone wrong for them, and I really I can't think of a good thing to say about Miami. It's been all bad. One thing in particular that's been really, really terrible for Miami, it's not just been the play calling. It's been... The entire offensive philosophy, just bad, bland, not very creative, um, horrible play design that I just, I, I don't know what they're doing. It's uh, it's embarrassing football to watch. And I'm like, I look at Miami and I go, surely you could do more. Like, surely there's better than, like, there are so many times I watch Miami and they run play action and they have literally two receivers downfield. And I'm like, what, what what is that concept? Like, what are you doing with your quarterback? Why are you giving him two options to throw to? It can't be. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. And Miami just is is a is a tragic tragic mess right now. They're one in seven, and there's no hope for better either. I mean, it's just it's a really really awful year they're having. And I, I thought that when I saw Brian Flores on the hot seat earlier during the preseason, I went, "What are you talking about?" How could Brian Flores be in the hot seat? And then I look at them now, and I'm like, well, that's that's how. They're apparently terrible with him. I, I didn't expect that. Last year, winning 10 games. This year, they're 1-7. I just did not expect this at all. Okay, I'm going to take a break. There's a, like a fire outside. Can you hear that? Just pause and wait. Let that let the, the fire truck figure itself out. Okay, uh, the fire truck has now gone. 
Now, number seven, the Patriots just beat the Chargers 27 to 24. I think the Patriots might be a playoff team based on what I've seen the last two weeks. Look, as their young rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, gets better and better, so do the New England Patriots. Two games in a row now. Mac Jones has avoided a turnover. He's playing clean football. They're winning. Uh, like the Raiders are five and two right now. I'm not sure they can keep winning and stay in the playoff picture. I think they've got a lot going on off the field that will distract them. And then the four teams in the AFC right now that are four and four, you've got the Cleveland Browns, Kansas City, Denver, and the New England Patriots. I think the New England Patriots are, you know, the number one team that's four and four right now that's got a chance to you know, raise their standings in the AFC and get into the playoffs. And, and they're in the hunt right now. They're like the number eight seed if the playoffs started today. I think the Patriots can elevate themselves up into a playoff spot. And uh, I think of all the teams that are four and four right now, they have the best shot of doing that. And uh, I think the Patriots, man, keep your eye on New England. They are uh, a team that I think might get into a wild card spot in the AFC. Number eight, on Monday Night Football, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the New York Giants 20-17. to <sighs> Man, this is a close game. And it was tied 17-17 to near the end of the game. KC won with a field goal. But the reality right now is that Kansas City is struggling to beat teams like the New York Giants. And that's very, very telling. Sounds about right, I guess, based on what we've seen, but... It's not a shock. It's just for anybody who hasn't accepted that the Chiefs are not what they have been in recent years. Uh, this game is kind of the perfect example of that. Patrick Mahomes played sloppy again. So did the Chiefs around him. Uh, Mahomes had an interception on the goal line. Travis Kelsey had a fumble. The Giants dropped multiple interceptions. I mean, Patrick Mahomes should have had way more than just one in this football game. Now, ultimately, I'm glad that Kansas City won this football game. I think the Chiefs actually have a shot to salvage their season where the Giants win or lose. The Giants aren't going anywhere. So I, I, I'm glad. I'd like to see a world where I'm wrong and Kansas City does make it into the playoffs. But I, I think right now, I look at what they've got ahead of them. I think Kansas City is going to go 7-10 and 10 or 8-9. and nine, And I do not believe they are a playoff team. They've got a bunch of tough games ahead they play. The Packers, they play the Raiders twice. They play the Cowboys, the Chargers, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Like, Kansas City right now is 4-4. Four and four, And I don't know. I mean, winning four games from here on out, four more games of the next, you know, nine, feels like a really big ask for Kansas City. And uh, time will tell, but I am not confident at all in Kansas City's ability to make a playoff run uh, this year. Okay, let's now talk about... Uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, I have intentionally said very, very little about Deshaun Watson so far for the last, I don't know, like the last year, basically. Uh, and that's because most news that has come out about Deshaun Watson has been non-football related. And I love sports. I want to talk about sports and I want to talk about football. I don't want to talk about legal cases. And this new person said that I might just don't. That's not what I do. I don't know anything about legal stuff. Uh, but the NFL trade deadline has come and gone. And despite what many people said and believed, uh, Deshaun Watson did not get traded at the trade deadline. And so he's still a member of the Houston Texans. 
And no one made a move for him because the asking price was too high, given that his legal situation is still unclear. Like, you're not going to give up three first-round picks when you're not even sure if he's going to play for your football team. And this is why I want to talk about Deshaun Watson. There were all these trade rumors, and I think that they give a opportunity to provide a lesson for NFL football fans. And so I want people to, when you hear an NFL rumor, you have to ask yourself, who does this rumor benefit? Because somebody leaked it out to the media. They sent a text here. They sent a, a direct message there to let somebody who's got a platform put it out to the world. And I felt like every rumor that I saw for about the last week was put out there by the Houston Texans to try to boost his trade value. Again, I, I, I saw there was this kind of thing going on behind the scenes where nobody was willing to give up very much for Deshaun Watson because, again, it's too risky. What if you trade away three first-round picks and then he can never, ever play for your football team? So Texans, you know, the, the Houston Texans obviously wanted a lot for him, but nobody was willing to give up very much to get him. And when I saw a rumor, for example, supposedly – the Carolina Panthers were offering running back Christian McCaffrey and three first-round picks. I saw that, and I laughed. I went, that's not real. That's not a real rumor. And that trade was never on the table. It was clear to me Houston put that out there to try to drive Miami's price up. And apparently then Carolina told Christian McCaffrey himself, they said, nah, that's not true. Like, we never were going to consider trading you away. And so, uh, you know, Miami was, you know, being manipulated by Houston. Houston's trying to put out to the world, hey, look what Carolina's willing to offer. And then they're like, hey, Miami, we're getting these really good offers. And so you better give us more if you want Deshaun Watson. And I just, I saw story after story that kind of, guess what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson? And I'm like, nothing, because this clearly came from Houston trying to make themselves look good or drive the price up. And, the lesson in all this is that next time you hear an NFL rumor, you have to ask yourself, okay, somebody put this out. So who does this benefit? Like who would put this out because who wins by letting this out in the media? And who might have who might have leaked this? Like who who put this out in the world? And a lot of sports rumors right now and just in general are one group of people or one team manipulating another there's always someone who will win by putting out a story in the media and I think a lot of people aren't used to that like I saw Christian McCaffrey um, get mentioned in trade conversations with Houston and people you know I have no doubt I saw in fact I saw some articles like can you believe oh my gosh apparently Carolina's thinking about Deshaun Watson and they just got they got Sam Darnold and what does that mean it's like none of that was ever real that was just Houston trying to stir the pot and get more for Deshaun Watson so um, I encourage everyone to educate themselves and become uh, even smarter football fans. Like when you see a rumor like that, that's obviously just one side trying to manipulate another. Try to be aware and, you know, you don't even need me to go, um, that's that's just, <laughs> that's not a real story. That That's one team leaking out information to try to get the upper hand in a trade negotiation. Okay. Uh, we just had college football week nine. It was a pretty fun, fairly eventful Saturday of football. And, uh, there are eight games I briefly want to talk about 
Then I want to share my personal top six teams in college football. I ranked them all in order. You can decide if you agree or not. Uh, but first, before we do that, game number one, number eight, Michigan State beat number six, Michigan, 37 to 33. <sighs> Man, uh, by now, we have learned what Jim Harbaugh is as a coach. It's been plenty of time in, uh, at Michigan in Ann Arbor. Uh, Michigan is a fine football program. They win a lot of games. They're fun to watch. Um, but with Jim Harbaugh as the coach at Michigan, that football program is never going to make the college football playoff. And it's been year after year after year. Jim Harbaugh has had so many opportunities to like clinch a signature win. We were like, ah, there's the win over Michigan State. There's the win over Ohio State or Penn State. And it hasn't happened every year. Michigan's like pretty good, and they just can't quite get over the hump. And I mean, literally, like, I'm not the kind of guy that says, oh, you can't win the big game. Although I think there is, like, I look at Kirk Cousins, for example, in Minnesota. I think there is something to that. I think Kirk Cousins really does get really stressed in big moments. But I, I, even though I tried to never be the guy, he can't win a big game. Like, people said that about Matthew Stafford for years in Detroit. That's just not true. He's always on a terrible football team. But when year after year after year, you see Jim Harbaugh losing key games to Michigan State, Ohio State, it just enough is enough. He's shown us who he is. I'm going to believe him. Year after year, Michigan finds a way to lose a big game. And this year, Michigan was up 30 to 14 over Michigan State, and they lost the game. They lost, even though they were up by, what is that? 20, you know, 14, 16 points, and you lost. Now, shout out to Michigan State running back, uh, Kenneth Walker, 23 carries, 197 yards, five touchdowns. And then what about Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker? Mel Tucker, it's only his second year in East, in East Lansing, and uh, he's got his team 8-0, undefeated. Uh, they beat Michigan. Michigan State still has to play Penn State and Ohio State, but I would imagine LSU, who does not have a coach for next year, um, I would believe they're pursuing Mel Tucker pretty hard. But, you know, despite praise Mel Tucker, despite praising Michigan State, the storyline really here is that uh, when people show you who they are, you believe them. And Jim Harbaugh, year after year, has shown us who he is as a coach. He's not bad. He's certainly not. Nothing shameful in winning the way he's won. He's won a lot of games in Michigan. Or at Michigan. Maybe it's the right way to put that. I didn't go to Michigan, so I don't have, I don't have the, the English degree from there. Um but and English is hard to say anyway, to speak anyway. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, though, we've seen it year after year. He hasn't won key big games. And I, I think to expect him to from this point on, and I think I said this last year even, it's just silly. Like, stop expecting Jim Harbaugh to win big games against Michigan State or Ohio State. It's not going to happen. It hasn't happened until he shows he can no one should ever believe he will again. And, I mean, I, the the Michigan fans I talked to going into this football game were like, we think we're going to get exposed next week against Michigan State. Somebody even wrote in with that on Patreon. So I think Michigan fans realize who they are. And then the question is, like, a lot of people are saying, should Jim Harbaugh be fired? It's like, well, you have to decide what do you want. Is Michigan okay not beating Ohio State, not beating Michigan State when they have a good year or, or are they just are they satisfied winning nine or ten games a year and being very very good or does Michigan want even more 
does Michigan want to get to the college football playoff? If they do, they probably got to find a better coach. But it's it's hard to fire a coach like Jim Harbaugh, who's winning a ton, but isn't quite winning enough. Because like, do you risk losing Jim Harbaugh and going, you know, taking a step backward as a program? So uh, a lot of interesting conversations are going on at Michigan. Personally, I think you got to realize, hey, you're a, a tough academic school in the Big Ten, and you're winning a lot of football games. I think you should just be happy. But the question is, is Michigan happy with what they're doing, and do they want even more out of their football program? Uh, game number two, number 18, Auburn beat number 10, Ole Miss, 31-20. to This is a really fun football game. Auburn quarterback Bo Nix played really, really well. He was 22 for 30 passing with 276 yards, one touchdown passing, two more rushing. Um, I like Bo Nix, man. Bo Nix is a guy that... I don't. I don't know if he, I, I just need to watch this film. I, I feel like I say this every week. I don't really know where he's going to land as an NFL quarterback. I need to do a deep dive into his film. But every time I watch Bo Nix, I see good stuff that I like, and I'm like, well, it wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me if Bo Nix ended up being a good quarterback in the NFL. I just, I, I don't know that I have enough uh, film analysis done on my end to make a declaration like that. Uh, it was pretty sad. Ole Miss had. Multiple opportunities late in the game to make it interesting. They could not do that. Uh, in the third quarter, Ole Miss had multiple uh, turnovers. They, they turned over the ball on downs two times in Auburn territory. That's brutal for Ole Miss. And then late in the fourth quarter, they threw an interception in the end zone. Ole Miss kept getting in their own way. I mean, they just, I, I, it was a much closer game than 31 to 20 would suggest, but Ole Miss just could not make key plays when it mattered most in the second half. Now, the other game I watched that had no bearing on the college football playoff, there's only one more. Uh, every other game we'll talk about from here on out is about in, in relation to the college football playoff. But number 11, Notre Dame beat number, uh, I guess, unranked North Carolina, 44 to 34. It's another fun game, man. Uh, UNC made it interesting. I was surprised. They were able to hang around. I mean, for three quarters, this was a really good Really interesting, fun football game. There was a moment where Notre Dame was only up 31-24. to 24. UNC had the ball, and North Carolina couldn't score. Then Notre Dame had a 91-yard touchdown run by Kyron Williams. That kind of sealed the deal there. But, man, there was a moment where Notre Dame fans were like, oh, we can't put this team away. And Notre Dame pulled away late, again, for three quarters. It was a great football game. It was very interesting. Uh, UNC quarterback Sam Howell had a 31-yard touchdown run at the end of the fourth quarter to make it uh, 44 to 34. Uh, but the true star of the game was Notre Dame running back Kyron Williams. He had 22 carries for 199 yards and a touchdown. So just a, I wanted to give a shout out to that game. No one's probably going to talk about number 11 Notre Dame against an unranked UNC football team, but it was just a fun, interesting, exciting game. I, I watched the entire game and um, I had a blast watching it. It was just a good time. Okay. Now, uh, let's talk about the college football playoff teams or teams in the hunt for the college football playoff. Number one, Georgia dominated Florida 34 to seven. There's nothing really super noteworthy from this game other than the fact that Georgia is now eight and zero. they look untouchable. It was 24, nothing at halftime. Uh, I was hoping that like Georgia, Florida is this legendary matchup. It's in Jacksonville. I was hoping for uh, a better game. It wasn't very good. Like not cause it was, Georgia played great, but it wasn't fun to watch because you're. It was so one sided. Um, 
Number four, Oklahoma beat Texas Tech 52 to 21. The storyline here is that Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma quarterback, is, in my opinion, a future number one overall pick. He was 23 for 30 passing with 402 yards and six touchdowns, no interceptions. Like Caleb Williams, the way he runs the ball with speed and with power, he can extend plays. He's got a huge arm. I mean, I, I love watching Caleb Williams play. He's probably my favorite quarterback to watch in college football right now. And I only have two questions about Oklahoma right now. Number one is, where will Spencer Rattler transfer to? Maybe Arizona State. I don't know. Like Spencer Rattler, uh, the the former Oklahoma starting quarterback who got benched, who clearly has a lot of talent and I also think is very immature. He's going to go somewhere, and that's going to be a really big story in college football when that happens because he has soundly lost his job to Caleb Williams. Now, number two, um, I, I wonder, like, Oklahoma led this game 38 to seven. And so it's, it's weird to criticize their defense, given the fact that they, for most of the game, shut down Texas tech. But I still wonder, can Oklahoma's defense hang with an Alabama, Ohio state, even Georgia. And I'm not impressed by them dominating Texas tech. Texas tech has two quarterbacks. They're not a great football team. Um, I, I, every week, I feel like Oklahoma's defense has a play or two where I'm like, huh, and I give Oklahoma the side eye. I'm like, that's that's bad defense. That's You got mossed. You got embarrassed. You blew a coverage. And I, I'm very interested to see Oklahoma match up against an Alabama or a Georgia, mostly because I want to watch their offense. Like, I really think Caleb Williams against a great defense is going to be really, really fun. Like, Caleb Williams against an SEC defense sounds amazing to watch just because I'm curious about him. But I also, I want to see Oklahoma's defense and get a real solid understanding of how good are they? And are they a team that dominates because they play bad competition? Or is the defense actually, I, I just, I don't know. The defense has been really, really questionable to me all year. And uh, and maybe that's carryover from the last couple of years. Maybe that's just my impression generally of the Oklahoma program. But um, I just, every, every time I watch Oklahoma, I go, that's a bad play on defense. And there's one or two every game that makes me go, that's really concerning. Okay, uh, number two ranked Cincinnati beat Tulane 31 to 12. And Cincinnati only led this game 14 to 12 at halftime. I understand Cincinnati being in the top four. I get it that people want a fun, cool story for the college football playoff. Like, ooh, Cincinnati. But um, anybody who has Cincinnati ranked number two in the country or even number three, it's just silly. I mean, it, it just. You can't look competitive with Tulane for an entire half and then be the number two team in the nation. I mean, it's just disingenuous. It's weird. I I think Cincinnati's fun, but they're not. They're nowhere near like one of the four best teams in the nation. I, I think it's okay if they get in because it's fun, but I just can't. I can't with the right mind say that Cincinnati's even the number six best team in the nation, let alone number four or even number two. Like they were ranked number two in this last week. I'm like, well, how? How would Cincinnati the second best team in the nation last week? There's no way. Uh, number five ranked Ohio State beat number 20 ranked Penn State 33 to 24. Ohio State feels like a team that we should not overlook. I mean, if they get an opportunity, I think they can compete with any team in the country bar that maybe, maybe they can't, maybe Georgia would dominate Ohio State, but every other team in the country feels like a team that Ohio State may not beat, but is at least competitive with and really interesting to play against and, uh, Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud is playing very, very well. He impresses me every week, so 
Uh, do not write off Ohio State just yet. And finally, number 13, Wake Forest beat Duke 45-7. to uh, Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman had five touchdowns, three passing, two rushing. Wake Forest is 8-0. Like, very quietly, they've snuck under the radar. Um, and Wake Forest has four games left they play at UNC. Then they play NC State. Then on November 20th, they play at Clemson. And on November 27th, Wake Forest plays at Boston College. That is four really tough football games. I, I would be surprised if Wake Forest really did finish the year 12-0 and and then 13-0 and winning the ACC championship. But if they do, let's say Wake Forest does somehow go 13-0. and Do you really leave him out of the college football play? If I don't think, I, I guess Wake Forest would make it in. I don't know. It seems unlikely for them to go 13-0, and but it's not impossible. And if they do go 13-0, and that's going to cause a really difficult conversation for the college football playoff committee. If you have, you know, unbeaten Cincinnati, unbeaten, um, what's what if Michigan State runs the table? I don't think they will. But if and then you have Ohio State, and then you have Wake Forest, and then Joe, like, man, it's just it's just interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know what would happen. I, I there's no crazy. It would be insane to me if Michigan State was undefeated at the end of the year. Same with Wake Forest, but. If that does happen, it's going to cause some really difficult conversations for um, the college football playoff selection committee. Okay, uh, we are nine weeks into the college football season. Here is my top six after week nine. Uh, feel free to write in what order would you put the teams in. And I'm curious, like, if anyone has their own top ten. or their, I, gave a, I was going to give a top four because I want to do the college football playoff. I'm like, well, I should at least tell you where. Some of the other best teams are. So this is my top six. I'm curious what order you would put these teams in. Uh, my number one team is Georgia. No one's going to disagree here. It's very clear. It's very obvious. They're undefeated. They're dominating the SEC. Nobody's going to disagree that Georgia is the number one team in the country. Now, my number two team in the nation is Alabama. And in my head, it feels wrong to not give Alabama the respect they deserve yeah, they lost the game earlier this year to Texas A&M. We'll say it, just put it out there. Um, but also, <laughs> Alabama can beat anybody. They're the number two team in the country. Like they're the second best team in the country. So I, I think Alabama should be ranked number two. Uh, I saw in the most recent college football playoff ranking, they were. Uh, at number three, I have Ohio State. Ohio State will likely win the Big Ten title. Uh, I... You know, the only loss Ohio State has was they lost to a really good Oregon football team. And I'm like, well, I, I, I think that Ohio State, if they win, win, you know, win out from here on and uh, win the Big Ten, I, I just would be hard to – if I have, like, Wake Forest and Ohio State or Wake Forest uh, or maybe like Cincinnati and Ohio State, like, sorry, I don't really care if Cincinnati's undefeated. Ohio State with one loss is still a better football team. And so – uh, I think Ohio State's a lot better than they're getting the uh, respect for. Now, out, out of uh, Michigan State is also undefeated, so is Oklahoma. I believe Ohio State is the best team of those teams I listed. On Saturday, November 20th, Michigan State plays at Ohio State in Columbus, Ohio. We're going to learn a lot from that game. Now, my number four team in the country right now is Oklahoma. They had a couple of close games early on this year. Then they bench Spencer Rattler. They're putting Caleb Williams at the quarterback position. He elevated this team. Uh, things might have been different if Caleb Williams had played all year rather than Spencer Rattler. I thought Spencer Rattler at times 
held back Oklahoma's football team on offense, and that's part of why like the two-lane game is close. The West Virginia game is close. Spencer Rattler wasn't playing very well. So Oklahoma's 9-0. and uh, I think they're better than some of the, again, the box scores from earlier in the year were a lot closer than people might be comfortable with. A part of that's because the quarterback position was wrong for them. I want to watch the Oklahoma offense against an SEC football team. Watching Caleb Williams against Alabama would be really, really fun. Kind of reminds me of the year we got to see Kyler Murray against Alabama. I want to see that happen. Number five, I have Michigan State. Uh, They're the only undefeated team left in the Big Ten. They still have not played Penn State or Ohio State yet, though, so we'll see what happens there. And then number six, we have uh, 8-0 Cincinnati. For the record, I I hope Cincinnati gets into the college football play. I think it'd be fun. Um, But we need to have a nuanced conversation. Like, does strength of schedule matter? Uh, are they truly one of the four best teams in the country, Cincinnati? I, I don't think so. I'm not even sure that Cincinnati is the number six best team in the nation. Like, I, I, I rank Cincinnati number six. I think Oregon's probably better than—probably. Uh, I think Oregon is better than Cincinnati. So I would put Cincinnati at six because I like the story, and that does matter to me. But I, like, I, I certainly can't put Cincinnati as one of the top four teams in the country. I feel uncomfortable putting them at six, but— like, it's fun, so why not? I just, I'm really curious. Like, Wake Forest, Oregon, Cincinnati, um, Michigan State right now is keeping themselves in the hunt. You've got Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. All these teams are just kind of in the nebulous, just sitting around waiting. And uh, we will see. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens in the college football playoff rankings uh, as the year goes on. Uh, the national title really does feel like a battle between Alabama and Georgia anyway. So it's like, well... Like, if if Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC title game, then in my opinion, they both get in and it's a null conversation anyway. And then it's like, well, what other two teams are, are battle fodder for them to beat up on? Now, the first college football playoff rankings did come out. You had Georgia number one, Alabama number two. I love that. I totally agree. Michigan State was number three. That was surprising to me. I'm like, huh, all right. I, I you know, then you have Oregon at number four who beat you know, Ohio State earlier but lost to Stanford. And then you have Ohio State, whose only loss is to Oregon. It's very interesting. I was like, huh, that's a very – I don't know if I agree. I, I certainly think that, like, Ohio State's a better football team than Michigan State, but time will tell. They had Cincinnati at number six. I agree with that. I was surprised, though, because 9-0 and Oklahoma was the number eight team in the nation, and 8-0 Wake Forest was ranked number nine. Uh, this would have been a good year for an expanded college football playoff. Like, what if we got a year where Oklahoma, Wake Forest, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Oregon, Michigan State, Alabama, and Georgia all got in and had to play each other and it duke it out? And that'd be really fun. And so I, I have been for a while I was on the fence. Like, should we expand the college football playoff? Now I'm kind of like, yeah, obviously it'd be really really fun if that happened. And I, I'm all for that. That sounds like a lot of fun for the college football world. Okay, um, before we talk about Thursday Night Football, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a personal story. I, I told you I would say this at the end of the show. Here we are. We've kind of reached it. I took some time off. Uh, I wasn't planning to. I didn't mean to. I, 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 you know, at the end of last week, I, I was doing very little. I was just editing uh, my interviews that no one watched, which is fine. I, I get it. People don't want to see that uh, or listen to that. Um, I haven't been feeling like myself, and I see – I saw the other day some some big football player who's like 
a first round pick and and matters and is kind of working to build their career. Like I'm not an established podcast, like not yet. I still have a long way to go to become like some of the other big names in the broadcasting world. And so uh, I saw a an NFL player said, "I'm going to take some time off." I was surprised by that. I remember my reaction was like, "Huh, that's weird." Like you don't really you kind of need to play. You're mid season, and then I ended up taking some time. I didn't mean to. I just, I wasn't feeling like myself. I was exhausted. I feel kind of beat down. And um, football season's a tough marathon. I, I sometimes tell my fiance that football season feels like finals week where you're cramming information, you're staying up late, you're pounding energy drinks. Like you're just on the wire, but it feels like that for, instead of a week for finals week, it's like four to six months of cramming and finals week for my job. And, um, I, I just had, I needed to go to bed. I needed to rest. I was spending a lot of time working and, and not taking care of myself. And I have, you know, I, my dad and I were talking on the phone. He's like, you haven't been spending enough time doing stuff you want to do. And he said, work doesn't count. I know you love your job, but you got to like go swimming and <laughs> uh, go hiking and eat good food and play video games and like chill a little bit. And you, you work all the time. And, um, it's been hard for me. Um, like I, my body can't do all night. I used to be able to do all nighters every day. Like I used to sleep literally three to four hours a night and that was it. I can't do that anymore. And so I have to be more deliberate. I have to take better care of my time. And I just, I wanted to let everyone know that I, I apologize. Like this episode will not come out till Wednesday. And I'm like, I hate that. I wanted this to come out earlier. I want, I have ambition to record on, Sunday about college football and then Monday about and the NFL and then Tuesday about Monday night football. And I failed. I fail horribly every week and it hurts me. And I, I maybe, I still think next week I might get there and do the, do it that time. Uh, but so far I just, it's, I, I really was feeling just burned, burned out. I hate saying that because it's not true. I love my job, but I know if I don't take time to care for myself, the next couple months are going to go badly. And I, I have to be prepared for, um, you know, November, December, January, the Super Bowl, the NFL draft and film analysis season. And so I, I just uh, I, I felt myself really feeling worn down and it took some time off. And um, I, I watched Attack on Titan, which I didn't we got to season four and the Attack on Titan season four didn't really end. It was kind of like, oh, season five is coming. And I didn't like where season four went and it was depressing and hard to watch and I don't know what I expected from Attack on Titan, but that was frustrating. I literally, like, I spent Friday just watching Attack on Titan all day with my fiance. It was glorious. I needed that. Uh, so long story short, I apologize um, that the show was, has, has not come out faster from last week. Um, now, I want to talk about Thursday Night Football. Thursday Night Football last week was kind of the canary in the coal mine where I was like, you may not be feeling very good, Zach, because... On Thursday Night Football, we had Aaron Rodgers against Kyler Murray, the 6-1 and Packers against the 7-0 and Arizona Cardinals. The Packers beat the Cardinals 24-21. to It was a game that came down to the wire, and it was a great matchup, and I didn't like it. I didn't like the game. And I was like, hmm, you must not be feeling very well. Like, for me to not like that game, I— I, a game I normally, as a football fan, would be like, sweet, Aaron Rodgers. Kyler Murray comes down to the final play. Two good football teams. And, and I, I just, 
again, I haven't been feeling very well. And I'm like, well, so here, here's my criticism of the game. And you can decide whether I was just feeling depressed or I have a legit criticism. I didn't want to make this, like I, I was going to, I was sitting there like on Friday about to record about Thursday night football. And I, I felt like I was just raining at everybody's parade. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to come out and say this game was awful because for most people, it was a fun thing to watch. Like, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, the Cardinals, the Packers. And I, I didn't want to be like, on a day that everyone's having a good time talking about football, I didn't want to come out and be like, I hated it. But I did hate it. I watched Thursday Night Football, and I thought it was a great matchup that got wasted on a Thursday night game. Where you had injuries, you had the Packers top receivers weren't playing. So many guys got hurt during the game, and uh, it was a short week. Neither team looked very prepared for the game very simple game plans, not, no complexity there. And it, neither team is on full strength. Even the final game, like the final the final play of the game decided the game. It was an interception on the goal line. And it looked like A.J. Green wasn't expecting the ball on the goal line. Like the final play of the game ended with miscommunication, a lack of preparation. And I just, I was watching a Thursday Night Football going like, why doesn't this not... Why, why was this great matchup not made into a Sunday night football game? Like, that would have been so much better. And I, I just think the strength of Thursday night football is to highlight two bad football teams. or two bad teams that, like, the Colts are not terrible, but they're 3-5. and five. The Jets are not very good. The Colts and Jets play on Thursday night this week. It's a perfect example of two teams that may not otherwise get national attention Unless they're going to play on Thursday night where they're the only game on and they're a national TV football game. And so I don't like seeing a matchup of two top teams on Thursday night football. And I didn't realize I felt that way till I watched the Packers and Cardinals where they were injured. It was a short week. They didn't look very prepared. And that's not how I want to see two potential Super Bowl contenders play each other. I want to see them play at full strength and have a real great opportunity to beat each other and I just thought that man like we didn't see that and I Thursday night is great for the Jaguars and the Bengals or again two teams that aren't very good or that are not Super Bowl contenders and I'm like hey I wasn't gonna watch the Jaguars at all this year hey now they're on Thursday night I'll watch them and it's the first time I remember watching that game I'm like ha fun a Thursday night game and a reason to watch the Jaguars that's kind of cool I'll tell you what, I would have watched the Cardinals and the Packers anyway, regardless of it being on Thursday Night Football or not. And maybe I'm the only person because I realize like not everybody watches every game and can pick and choose whatever game they want to watch. Uh, I get it. I'm a snob. And I, I thought that my criticism of the game was disjointed from the regular fan. But I'm like, man, I, I just didn't think we got a great matchup. I thought we got a, a matchup of what had potential two great football teams that neither one of them could really give their best effort because it was a short week because they were injured because it was on Thursday night. And, uh, I watched Thursday night football last week. I hated it. I was depressed and I'm like, you know what? I need to take some time off. Cause if I'm not enjoying this, there's something wrong with me. Um, and you can decide whether that's right or not. That's for you guys. I want to end the show with kind of a funny segment. Uh, a guy named Davis, and I actually, I forgot I was going to wear Davis's shirt today. My buddy Davis is in Indiana and I do not have a PO box yet. Uh, I literally sent Davis my personal address, which 
thank goodness Davis was not a serial killer. My fiance was not that happy that I gave a stranger on the internet our address so he could send me a package. Uh, I want to get a P.O. box eventually. It's in my list. I just have, like, money's tight, and I'm, I've got a lot of stuff on my plate. I still haven't paid taxes yet. I got an extension, and so I got a lot of stuff to figure out. Um, Davis sent me headphones. I talked on the show about how I needed headphones. He sent me headphones. He sent me a rubber ducky behind me, and he sent me a really cool Hawaiian shirt. I'll wear the Hawaiian shirt hopefully next episode. Uh, I want to put the headphones. So I've been wearing – he sent me these, like, Sony – um, headphones that were like he said he's like I'm, they're on my shelf I'm not using them anyway so I'll send them to you they're noise canceling they're bluetooth they have a plug-in so you can plug in like a hard wire if you want to we sent the wire they're amazing headphones I literally use them all day like I'm not kidding I sit at my desk I watch football and they're on my head all day and my my fiance kind of makes fun of me because I look like an egghead and I want to show you what they look like because I'm, I'm clearly not wearing them on the podcast I'm wearing my crappy cheap Walmart headphones um, let me put them on. So this is why Davis, I, I don't mean any disrespect, man. I love you. And I, I love, I love these headphones. I look like an idiot. Like I, I just have a tiny head. I really do. My ears are not actually that big. I just have a tiny noggin. And I, I when I put these headphones on, it's not a flattering look. I just look kind of stupid. Now, again, I wear them all day. I love them. Um, but like, look at this. Look, uh, and it might help if I had more hair. Maybe that would hide some of the the imbalances. But I just feel like I look like it looks kind of silly on me, even though I love them. And I wear them all the time. And I listen to my favorite podcasts. I do dishes. I literally live in these headphones. But I think these headphones <laughs> fit my head better because, I, I mean, these are literally child headphones. And so, Davis, I just I felt bad because you, you sent me headphones. They clearly aren't cheap. And I do love them. I just think I look silly in them, and so I shouldn't wear them on camera, even if I wear them all day otherwise. And I, I feel conflicted and bad, and I hope you aren't angry at me. I haven't told you this. I I just kind of wore—I didn't wear them on the show, which I think was the intent of him sending them to me. Um, and I felt bad, and I'm like, well, I just do a segment. I'll put them on again. I look silly with these headphones on. I just think—I I literally think I, my head looks— ridiculous like just like hey y'all i have a tiny head and <laughs> don't fit me anyway i love you i appreciate you i um man i just want to encourage you you never know what someone's going through you have no idea um if you're nice to someone you never know how that can make their day and as someone who i myself have been having a hard time uh i haven't felt like myself even this episode was like really it was hard. It was hard to put together. I, I was nervous. I was stressed. I was overthinking everything, and I, I just, I, 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 I'm, I'm good. I just need some time to like get my mind right. Um, and I just encourage you, man. If you're out there and you're interacting with other human beings, whether it be at a, man, at a grocery store, at a movie theater, at a fast food restaurant, maybe at a regular restaurant. I don't care where you are. If you're in a social setting, sorry, I hit the mic. Uh, be nice to each other. Like you just have no idea what another person's going through. And I've been going through it a little bit and I, I just, I apologize. It's affected the show. Although I don't think if I'm not feeling good, I shouldn't make an episode because I just think that would make bad content. And even though I want to make as much content as possible, it's also still most important to make quality content. So I don't know. I just, I love you. I appreciate you. We've actually gone up on Patreon supporters. That's been amazing. Thank you to new people on Patreon. I'm doing Ask Zach tomorrow. I love you. I appreciate you. 
but um bum bam we are done